Hey everybody, it's Adam. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are we doing that? That's really fucking weird. Uh, hi, it's Brian. Uh, so we, so this, so you may have noticed this episode fell in your feed out of order and it has a strange name and maybe you didn't, who knows? I don't know how you listen to podcasts. You do you, (laughs) but, uh, we're launching, we have one of the things that our Patreon community allows us to do is spin off shows. So this, the rest of this episode is a spin-off that we're working on as a tank to put all of these engineering conversations in my everyday life now that I'm working with a blockchain company. But it's called The Sidechain. And if you're interested in blockchain and cryptocurrencies, we'll be over there having conversations with uh, hopefully other weirdos. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think this will be a great podcast for your business because uh, all the... All the excitement that we get, all the excitement and goofiness that we bring with engineering, I think, is important to bring into a professional setting, uh, but it gets lost a lot. So I think this is going to be a valuable uh, side conversation. Uh, and I've found this medium to be pretty effective. <laughs> We're on episode 53. Four? Uh, I don't know. It's a great way to dive into some awesome conversations with people. It sets a neat backdrop, the podcasting. It sets a neat backdrop for a conversation like all the people we've had on as guests, we could have just called and had a conversation with, but uh, it just wouldn't have been the same. You know, there's there's something about this. It sets up like a framework and an architecture and an expectation and, and future thought about this being public. And it uh, it provides a neat medium for for conversation where people kind of are like presenting themselves a little bit. Uh, but also it's an so archive. Cool. I go yeah. back and I listen to episodes and modify my thinking. For sure. Or, We're our biggest fans, you know, unquestionably. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're listening to this on the side chain, thank you for jumping on the side chain. And if you are listening to this on Zengineering podcast, I'll share the links through all of our normal channels so you can follow it if you like. It'll be in the description to this video on most podcast players. Check that out. It's it's a really neat space. And the more I dive into the tech and the potential opportunities and, and just everything that's going on with, with blockchain technology. It's, it's wild. We just can't talk about it every episode on engineering. So the we're slicing it out a little bit. This episode will be front to back, an example of what one of these sidechain episodes will be like coming in at about half an hour. Nice. Dig it. That sounds super digestible. Hey, I'm Adam, your host, and this is The Sidechain. It's a blockchain podcast, Zengineering style. We want to talk about how this stuff really fits in your life and what are you supposed to do about it. Like I said, I'm Adam. I produce and co-host Zengineering podcast. When I'm not doing that, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Juris. We're working on uh, legal tech solutions in the blockchain space. We're doing pretty cool stuff. If you want to check that out, go to jurisproject.io. Otherwise, on the weekend for the last three years, I've been hosting a podcast with my co-host who you've already heard on this episode and who is today's guest. His name is Brian Jones. He's CTO at Netwise Data, which is an ad tech company. He's a startup founder, he's a software engineer, and I've known him for 25 years. 
The conversation you're about to listen to started from the question of whether or not it would be profitable to build a solar-powered storage mining rig full of hard drives with a minimal CPU in the backyard. Or one of our backyards? Your backyard? When it comes to crypto, these are the kind of questions we're going to be chasing with the sidechain. Where's this stuff actually going to show up in life, and what's it going to look like? Subscribe wherever you're listening if you like this. And give us a review or a thumbs up or a heart or whatever it is in the app. Uh, if we mention anything cool in the episode, there will be links in the description that will probably appear in the same app. And I can't get out of here without a thank you to our backers on the Zengineering Podcast Patreon campaign. Uh, it's that support that helps us keep things like this coming out. If you want to check that out, go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N zengineeringpodcast.com lastly because i gotta say it none of this is investment advice brian and i are involved in crypto we're working on projects we're playing with technologies that we're curious about and we're talking about what we see if you want to do the same do your research and don't risk anything you can't afford to lose like tomorrow because the economic side of this is really volatile once again i'm adam you can connect with me at the Kerp on Twitter. Thanks for jumping on the sidechain. Uh, I've been reading a lot of white papers. Well, I've been skimming a lot of white papers. I've read a handful uh, for different crypto technologies or different crypto startups or different t- coins, tokens, whatever you want to call all the different projects. For um, the purpose of anyone unfamiliar, uh, the sort of the launching off point for a blockchain system, which is because it's all protocol based. The first thing you have to do is propose your protocol and see if people think it's something they would adopt. And you do that via a 20 to 80 page academic (laughs) paper where you explain literally everything you can think of about how this needs to be designed. And then you ask people to talk about it. They're kind of like business plans, but it's the, the whole infrastructure of these businesses is so technologically oriented that it just doesn't follow traditional business exactly but it does follow traditional academic structures like do a research paper then take that around see if you can get a grant to do the experiment outlined in the research huh. paper yeah interesting it's not an unfamiliar architecture it's just unfamiliar to the public yeah well it's weird because it's being enacted in public right it's taking academic research papers to venture capitalists and they're like wait something's weird here (laughs) and then it's like but we don't want your cash directly we want you to buy this weird thing we've made up anyway i've been as i've been looking at a lot of those to to really understand what's going on with some of these businesses and the opportunities and stuff they've kind of fallen into three categories they've been either not particularly interesting or insightful at all. They're just an idea that has like loose, high, really high level vision for things, which is not helpful. They, that they're not on to anything or they haven't taken the time to bother explaining it. Uh, or two, uh, and this is, this is a lot like, uh, the Juris white paper. It's extremely well-developed and very intelligent on the, uh, like how it works side. Um, or number three, it's product design, product design, or number three, it's very, very heavily developed on the, the tech side, like the Which actual graphs and equations and a whole bunch of shit that no one understands unless they went to school for that. For right. That. Which is weird because, <laughs> uh, those 
I can't understand any of those. <laughs> and you'd think I'd be able to read through most engineering white papers, but they're very, they can be very, very academic. Uh, and the, the storage one in particular, I think was that way. Uh, yeah. So let's back it up. So you just mentioned a specific company, but I want to back up one thing that comes up frequently in our conversation. So I think it's worth mentioning. We, uh, because of how we put this together, I'm sure you've already listened to my disclaimer about investment advice. Um, but when we do think about this stuff and the thing that ends up impacting how I think Brian and I behave as investors in the space is you can't think too hard about the, how the technology works exactly. I mean, like before you put money into something, you absolutely should. But the place to start with something that's going to be worthwhile to pursue, whether you're a developer getting involved in a project or somebody trying to buy some tokens to sock them away for later, they fall into verticals. And by verticals, I mean like here's a sector of, of, of a behavior that will probably be impacted by this evolution of technology. And there's like, I don't know, seven to ten of them I could I could run down. This is this is something that comes up a lot when uh, Kevin Rose talks about this stuff, which I would definitely recommend his podcast, Block uh Block Zero, it's called. Um, but one of those one of those verticals is storage. Like literally, where am I going to put the files that I need to save in a function like Dropbox in my life where I have a folder, goes up into the cloud, cloud, cloud behavior. Just cloud, like storage of digital information. Right. I mean, like local Dropbox. storage is easy, right? It's, it's, it's hard drives. Um, used to be floppy disks. <laughs> <laughs> used to be floppy hard drives. But in this space, what we're talking about is there are projects exploring whether or not we can make the service that like Amazon Web Services or Dropbox provides uh, cheaper. And I think compared to the way we do it now, weirder <laughs> than what we're used to. Um, but it's happening via this sort of decentralization. So what like what what the specific project you mentioned storage is one like Sia is another play in the space there's Filecoin is one that I think is IPFS. sort of attacking the same problem yeah the IPFS is the underlying file structure for yeah. Filecoin um so before talking about the sort of incentive mechanism piece I feel like uh because what what we decided we wanted to chase here was is it feasible for us to try to build a solar powered storage mining rig uh, to just put in the backyard and make money? <laughs> <laughs> so talk through like what you do know about the storage project, right? Like you mentioned their white paper earlier. You said it's very technical. The technical piece, it doesn't matter. What, what are they trying to solve? Because they have to get a lot of people to do it. <clears throat> Totally. for decentralization to work so like what's their you know well what's it, the pitch it, it turns out after for looking, any of these services it turns out after looking them up i don't think i've ever actually looked at the storage white paper <laughs> i was thinking of the ipfs white paper um but i'm sure the storage one is also reasonably technical and would require a dozen reads for me to really digest it but uh <clears throat> these uh basically uh, I think we have to roll this back even a little further for most people, right? Because there's, I, I get the classic joke these days of like, what the hell is the cloud? <laughs> What's in the cloud? I had someone make a great joke the other day. Uh, I was, I was uh, out playing volleyball 
someone someone we were looking at clouds and it was like it's not cloudy in san diego and then someone like really whimsically said like is that where all the files go <laughs> it was just it really got everyone it really laid everyone out um but uh that is where all the files go these days the cloud. Well be. like what so yeah you're right i mean for most people's experience of this kind of stuff it's it's just a tool in their pocket that they use to have a picture that they took at a volleyball game and they went on with their life. Um, but there's this whole substructure of, of computers and hard drives that make it so that that happens. And they live like in a, in a, in a decommissioned shopping mall in San Antonio, but there's a file, you know, a copy of that file that sits on that server and it serves up my website. Is that a real place? You know, wherever I go. Uh, yeah. Rackspace. Oh, they, they run in a decommissioned shopping mall? Yeah. That's a, that's an it looks like Hunt Valley Mall from yeah, the totally. outside, but the inside of it is just full of servers. They just tore down the mall uh, by the house, by my parents' house where I grew up, and they're going to replace it with a new mall that is just designed to be outdoors as opposed to an indoor mall. Yeah, that's what they did at Hunt Valley. Trendy. Um, Bumps business way up. So uh, I guess everybody... I think for the most part is kind of familiar with the concept of you take a picture on your phone and it gets stored on the hard drive on your phone or whatever the memory on your phone. People kind of get that, right? People know there's there's storage space. Everyone's storage space is filled up and they're constantly like deleting pictures so they can take more pictures that they're not going to look at and then delete later. Um, but the idea of the cloud is kind of the exact same thing, except that your phone takes the picture and then sends it to a computer somewhere else. And the cloud is just other computers. Uh, with other hard drives storing your files. And it gets really complicated. I mean, there are layers and layers and layers of complexity that make that possible and quick and usable. Um, But at the moment, when you do that, if you have like an iPhone, your picture goes up to Apple's cloud. It goes up to Apple's computers somewhere. And that all that complexity that you talked about is like the protocol piece that comes up whenever we talk about this blockchain stuff. Because you have to remember that layer when you when you talk about blockchain projects because that's where the next compelling layer in this like hitches into the whole thing but all this complex communication makes it happen but in the end what happens is that picture ends up on a hard drive encrypted so apple can't tell what it is but it's on a hard drive in a in a somewhere a geographical location that is a set of chips that are memori- remembering that file and multiplying it, propagating it across other instances so that it won't be lost. What's you know, and we call that behavior the cloud because it feels like, whoop, it's up off my device and now it's chilling. But like, it's just chilling in a, in a, this is a different hard on a computer. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. It's interesting because uh, with digital files, digital information, there's no degradation to the file. So your picture is sitting on another thing somewhere and your picture is exactly the same. It's not like it's you're taking a negative. And it still uh, is yeah, it can even exactly be, one for one the same as like... It's f- like, like perfectly replicable. It's like it's it's broken down into pieces. It's then encrypted. It's thrown around through like layers and layers of stuff like that. Then it's like put back together exactly the same, stored somewhere else and then in the future you can access it again um it's bizarro stuff uh but what's interesting what kind of leads into this conversation is as the internet initially the internet was just like it's all you kind of think of it as like the world wide web right it's computers all over the place doing stuff storing stuff things other i'm accessing things that are other places um but with 
cloud-based storage, the idea of me putting an image, like taking a picture on my phone and then sending it to Apple, we very quickly, the internet, the internet requires that you then like redistribute this stuff. So the internet works in like, just because Apple's hosting my image doesn't mean that when I go to get it, uh, it's I'm actually getting it from Apple. It's very unlikely I'm actually getting it from Apple. It's probably distributed somewhere. And if it's not distributed across other other servers all over the world, it's at least distributed over Apple's servers all over the world. And so none of this stuff works in a centralized fashion now. I can't you can't just put your images on a computer that sits in in Silicon Valley somewhere and the whole world's not pulling their pictures off of like a set of computers just there all the time. The single computer, right. Because geography is still a problem. Like even if this stuff moves at close to the speed of light, it takes time to get from New York to Los Angeles. Just a tiny bit. But people demand these things load so fast that we actually have networks where what Apple actually owns or pays other people to handle is a copy of your website is sent to a thousand different locations all over the globe so they can be geographically closer to the place asking for them. And it doesn't quite work the way like a letter with the Pony Express works. I don't make a letter, give it to one individual and have that individual deliver it to the endpoint. It's more like they're a billion Pony Expresses operating at all times, delivering everything in chunks and pieces and layers. And there are thousands of middlemen. And so there, there's a lot of weird stuff going on that is abstract and you just don't see that. Uh, no one's really seeing on some level, right? It's just sort of computers making decisions as information moves around the planet. And so, in the and so then, I think where most people would be familiar with this dynamic disrupting things is the music sharing contest ta- context and the Napster context and stuff. Music sharing the contest. Thing, the yeah, sure was a contest. <laughs> the industry did not fare well. They didn't like it. Um, which is part of the reason there's been this boom in crypto right now, I think, because people look at that and they go, oh, no, we don't want to get music industried. We don't want to get Ubered. Yeah. So they jump on, they're jumping on these things now. Um, but what you're, where it gets relevant as a sidechain pod, like question is, okay, so the solution sometimes to what you're trying to solve here is, you just have to put the files geographically closer to the people that need them all the time. That could be a server that's still a hundred miles away from you, but it's certainly closer than across the country. Or it could be like literally your neighbor's hard drive. And that's what Napster did. Napster was, well, that's on your neighbor's hard drive. And on the speed of our local network at a college, I can pitch that to you in seconds. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, what storage uh, projects are chasing is the idea that if you can incentivize via this crypto economic component of the protocol, if you can incentivize people to go, yo, I got hard drive space and fast internet that is doing nothing most of the day while I'm at work, I'll turn on X service, give you access to that hard drive space if you'll pay me for it. Cause why not? Those I'm burning resources to make that thing exist on the network. It's a it's a great social commentary on every technology that we own right now, right? Everything is just being wasted ninety-nine percent of the time. Those guitars in the background on in both of our rooms right now, they just sit there all day. Even just if I play there. a lot of music, they're still sitting there like twenty-three out of twenty-four hours a day. 
be right. wasted. That's stupid. Well, and that's a really funny interest. Like, and, and people are sort of attacking that problem in certain contexts because I have a worse version of that. You know, I own a, a pair of skis. So Those get totally used crazy. every two or three years. What a you waste. know, and it's a thing that I still want to own because I have them tuned and I'm used to how they work and I don't want to break my leg on something I'm not familiar with. Having broken a leg now, I mean it. Don't break a leg. <laughs> don't break a leg. Don't break a leg. It's unpleasant. <laughs> Even the less, least possible version of how you can break a leg. Um, so, so projects like this are popping up. And I've been using one of them, the one you referred to earlier, storage, which is pronounced storage, but it's spelled with a J. We, we ended up with this as an idea for something to talk about because I, I went through all of the installation stuff for storage. And now I can talk about getting that up and running and I've earned some money doing it. It helps you take a look at what we're asking people for in terms of buy-in, if they're going to take part in this giant network. Mm -hmm. And there's certain hurdles that relate to like engineering type conversations about uh, interfaces and things like that, right? Like will people actually do the thing we're asking them to do? Getting paid sure helps which is the thing that blockchain allows in some capacity. But in my case, I have a computer that I leave on all day in my house. It's it's very energy efficient just sitting there doing nothing because it's mostly just asleep, but it's a media server for my house. So if I want to pull a movie that I ripped into a digital file like years ago so i didn't have to carry my dvds around anymore i can get that off of a hard drive in my house that just sits there all the time and it also backs up all my photos ongoing which is now sort of a service i don't need because of the cloud stuff we just talked about but i also have an empty hard drive so i put that hard drive in there i installed the client i had to do some wonky network stuff to get around security but I'm now taking part in this this storage effort to decentralize um, this problem of the cloud, which is we need to store this information somewhere for the cloud to function. Um, and so I'm offering up a hard drive. It's all encrypted. I can't see what it is. I can't get into any of the files. It doesn't, I can't do anything with it. I have a little client that tells me how long, what my uptime has been, uh, how many gigs of that allocated space are taken up and what the transfer speed is of that uplink. And the question then for me is, uh, you get payouts monthly. So I had it running all last month. And I earned maybe dollar seventy-five nice. worth of their crypto tokens. <laughs> That's uh, um, trivial for you, but someone running a solar-powered uh, rig somewhere else in the world that might not be completely useless to them. Right. Um, and, and you so only used a little bit of your hard drive space too, right? Didn't you say like 30? Yeah, that was only a terabyte, right? So if I put up, I, I could multiply that, I think by 16. Did you use your whole speaking. terabyte? Were people using what? Thing? No, only 20 gigs is used. So I assume as more of my stuff gets picked up, it's all about uptime with this. So they allocate files based on 
the velocity of those files relative to their system. So if they need to move around a lot, I don't get them because I shut it down occasionally to play VR games, which means I have an uptime glitch. But it doesn't mean I'm not getting stuff that's more glacial. I mean, you if you're if you had maxed that drive, if you had been getting used more, you would have made fifty or hundred bucks probably. I don't know. Roughly with that max, yeah. right? So that's significant. Um, that's a big deal. That's a couple dollars a day. So what we would need to build, if we wanted to build a solar-powered rig to put in the backyard to make it so that I didn't even have to pay for power. Which is a big deal. This, which is a big deal. What, 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 do you, what do we have to build? What are the pieces that go into this rig? And we were just going to make this up, and then you just told me that Storage actually has plans for one on their website. Yeah, pretty great. I mean, they have a, they have a whole post uh, talking through all the technology. Um, all the uh, all the different components, uh, pricing out different v- versions depending on how much you want to spend, from like really really inexpensive to top of the line, uh, and then a great discussion so we'll, all together. So we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, but stop looking at that off the top of your head. How do we pull this off in a way where I can plop it in the in my parents' backyard, which happens to be on a southwest facing slope, which is ideal for catching a whole bunch of sunlight for a chunk of the day the ideal place to put it would be their roof but we'll scale up to that later is there a channel for this uh in engineering oh yeah a prefix side chain so i think the first couple things to address are uh, we need to have a computer and it has to live outside yeah you need a you need a computer of some sort it doesn't need to be a fancy computer i don't think right it needs like a little raspberry pi or one of those Probably, yeah. I'm assuming you need to run Linux or some standard operating system, Windows or Mac OS. Yeah, the, the computational function of this is the stuff that I mentioned about monkeying with network settings. Like that gets way easier right. if you do it the way that we're describing right now. Right. So, but the steps the steps are hackery. Um, at, <laughs> at the moment, you probably need like a regular computer. Um, although that kind of thing, this is a great application of internet of things where we're going to be getting specialized hardware to do these specialized things so ultimately you're not going to need a fancy computer you're just going to have a hard drive rig people are going to be running hard drive rigs distributed remotely solar renewable powered wind wind turbine etc uh to generate producing yeah so at the moment though you need a computer a laptop a desktop that you're not using something little like a raspberry pi that you can go pick up really inexpensively i mean you can get a Linux-based computer now for under ten bucks, I think, right? Five, five bucks. Uh, that's incredible. That's absolutely mind-blowing considering what was available five years ago. So you need a little computer. Uh, you need hard drive space, which at the moment is still going to be uh, just the standard big hard drive that people are picturing if they've ever played with computer components. So you need some sort of interface, which you can probably buy pretty standardized that'll hook that. I mean, it's USB, so that'll plug into the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, those all have to have a power supply yep. to run as well as the, the raspberry Pi. You'll need, you'll need a source of energy plus then a bunch of electronics in between them to kind of regulate and convert and manage that. Um, you'll probably need, I honestly think the most expensive component of this, like one item per one item is the Pelican case. I'm imagining putting it in. That's probably like 800 bucks. Well, you can probably find a non-Pelican base. <laughs> whatever the case. Uh, certainly in Southern California, you could probably just put a little, a little tarp over it. <laughs> so 
In terms of, you know, I, I know this isn't your field of expertise, but it, the hard part of this is actually not that piece. The hardest, the hard part of this is uptime. So you got to be hooked to connected to the internet all the time, which is not too hard if you have just like a cable internet provider, which, which we do at the location that we're talking about. Um, and we need to make sure that power doesn't go away while the, while the sun is not out anymore. Yeah, you need to, you need to me, the most concerning part of this is that we need to run a battery wall of some sort. Yeah. I mean, the part of the electronic part of the electricity, uh, architecture, um, will be batteries, right? You need to, not only are you powering this with solar energy, uh, when the sun is out, but I mean, you're, you're probably always going to be powering it off of the battery directly. Um, but the solar panel will be charging the battery when the sun's out. And then when it's not, the battery will be getting depleted actively while the system's running. So, um, certainly I think there are probably more people in the world who could set up the software on this. than there are people who could set up the, uh, the physical hardware to actually power it with renewable energy. That's it's not, I don't think it's any more complicated if you know what you're doing. It's just a, a much more specialized, less known, um, field of engineering. So, um, certainly anyone who's an electrician could set this up. No problem. And anyone who's, who's a programmer could probably set up storage. No problem. So, um, bring those two together. You're in good shape. Right. Um, and I assume that eventually companies will just do that for you. Uh, or it'll be incorporated into your like you know Tesla power wall. You also have a Tesla storage wall. Yeah, it's, you can allocate as you see fit. It's a really it's a really interesting time period to be talking about something like this because uh, you very much right now could go out and set this up. I would guess at an absolute minimum, bare bones. You could probably if you just had to start from scratch, go get these parts. I bet you could build this for one to two hundred dollars, uh, maybe less. Um, and have I think a, the hardest part is, as I was envisioning it at least, like there, if you could do this attached to a house, it gets way easier. If you want it to be like a mobile rig, so you can do like what you were talking about, like just plop it in a village somewhere, and as long as they have internet access, it's it's money coming in. Uh, weatherproof cooling apparatus is going to be the hardest part. You'll eventually want like water cooled where the rain actually cools it when it does rain. And in between you use a ventilation system. I don't think that, there's going to be much heat on this system. You know, conductive. He, he yeah, I don't know. Comes, that's, that's comes from processing. Uh, the actual physical microchips heat up from electrons cruising through them fast enough, the friction of right. electricity moving through them. And uh, hard drives, I don't necessarily think you'd be... Uh, processing enough information on the drives for them to heat up if you had especially if you had a like a traditional hard drive with a spinning hard disk that's going to use more electricity because you're going into like mechanical motion to access but those don't generate any heat relatively but most likely you're going to use solid state so if you're using solid state then you just size it appropriately so it's not hot i think you'd be fine i don't think you need cooling on this yeah um Unless you're like cutting edge solid state. If it has to be white proof, waterproof, is it going to end up being a problem of, you know, I mean, because that's going to be tight. There's not going to be moving air in that system Uh, uh, or any sort of cooling unless you build it in somehow. uh, I think I think waterproofing this and making it cooled is is pretty trivial. I mean, you could probably build this out of like plywood and caulk, (laughs) right? Or like 
put yeah, a couple roof shingles on top of something. Enough. Right. All the electronic components are you can pick them up at anywhere, Home Depot, right? To to run some right. run stuff from your solar panel into a box. That stuff's going to be cheap. Uh, you're just going to use industrial like house components, right? It's not like you're setting Could up a you desktop that needs to be delicately cared for. Let's talk about the solar panels. Can we could we do this with a goal zero, like the thing you can buy at REI for four hundred bucks at this point? Uh, I'm not familiar or with is that. The better route to do some sort of industrial. I'm guessing you'll need more power than whatever comes from the thing you get at REI, because that's probably designed to send a little bit of juice to like a cell phone to charge it, or maybe a flashlight that's built into it or something. Um, right. So you'd probably need a bunch of those. But uh, I would. I don't really know pricing on solar panels and i can't off the top of my head i don't have a gut reaction to like amount of solar square footage you need to power different devices i'm not that familiar with it but uh i doubt it i doubt you'd need a lot i'm sh- I, I would guess you can get a solar panel that everyone's picturing like a meter solar panel and you probably have more power than you need to run this device right so if the answer is you probably need to build a shed of some sort it certainly seems like the real way to do this is if you have a roof on a house. You know, this is why at a certain scale, obviously everyone should do this. But then on a smaller scale, can we just do this in a backyard and have it at least break even? Uh, I don't know, but I kind of want to try it. Yeah, it'd be hard. <laughs> We'd have to run some numbers on it. I mean, I'm guessing, uh, no, you can't make money on it yet uh, or people will be doing it. And especially that's because... Uh, there are two components to this that are, are really hard to solve. And the one is electricity, which we're solving, right? We're getting renewable energy is less expensive now than traditional forms of energy, solar power, wind power, not everywhere on earth, but a lot of places, the prices of those technologies have dropped. So that's being solved. That will actively have been solved for probably everywhere, almost everywhere on earth in the next 10, 20 years, maybe in terms of uh, the technology behind renewable energy is dropping to a point where it's just it makes more sense for everything uh battery technologies have gotten better and that's all kind of in that electricity aspect of this the other place where we don't have a solution right now um is internet connection right we're still locked into massive global infrastructure that has cost incredible amounts of money and is monopolized by a handful of big companies um and, and i don't say monopolized to pass judgment on it necessarily it just kind of is the situation it's the correct word for the phenomenon of centralized power. It's the correct adjective for the situation. <laughs> centralized um, control. But we've <laughs> we've we've removed the cost of the electricity in a matter if you set this up correctly, it might not quite be profitable yet, but it most certainly will be. It's trending in that direction. The internet connection is the component where there's still a cost associated that I'm not sure what we do, right? Because uh, I know here the cheapest internet I can get is like sixty bucks a month, which is ridiculous. What we do so, is talk about starlink satellites on a later episode because <laughs> sir we are out of time but we did talk at the beginning of our last engineering episode about uh something that elon musk is working on to solve this problem because if we can if i can just get my internet from a satellite uh for this rig i'm talking about building then maybe we solve the problem you're talking about yeah it absolutely. seems to be what that seems to be what, I don't know what Elon his economic Musk goals are with that. Chasing. But I certainly think it's to provide internet to people who can't get it and can't afford it, who could be making money doing this. Imagine the the resources that you make available to a uh, a remote village in Central Africa 
They, they, you're literally beaming resources to them instead of them having to dig oil out of the ground that might not be there. You're creating right. a resource that they can now generate wealth from. in a month of a power output at the setup that I have, which is not certainly not optimized. I made a dollar fifty in American dollars in a month. Uh, it's trivial to me, but it's something. It's really exciting. It's really cool, and it, and it's awesome. And I commend you for hooking that up and actually doing something functional with. Uh, <laughs> technology, uh, potentially renewable energy, and also cryptocurrency. You're 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 doing it. It's not just a stupid number that people are laughing at as they they look at their stocks and investments. Well, don't give me too much credit. Every other experiment I'm running involves having conversations like these uh, on podcasts. <laughs> uh, but thank you for thank you thanks for coming by for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me over here. Although presenting it like that feels disingenuous because we're just rolling production of the occasional of these episodes into our engineering. If you ended up here just because of Sidechain, check out our other podcast, Zengineering Podcast. Uh, you, can, you can find it at zengineeringpodcast.com. We talk about stuff like this, but weirder. <laughs>